Cheers. Cheers. Greetings. Greetings. We are now drinking beer. You know, I was thinking it'd be great to have our friend from Kosovo on uh, at some point. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Just purely, purely a story. I was thinking just um, also it'd be fun to have just another uh, another person to ask questions. Because I think that in some ways... Um, uh, I don't know. We might be too much in the same group. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, I the world know. the world's getting smaller in the sense of we're around more and more people that have a different experience, a different worldview. The world is um, much richer than our particular upbringing and our particular hangups. Yeah. Okay. So, and this is, yeah, Kent Dobson, Paul Moore, full disclosure, we both grew up in the South in this kind of Southern evangelical tradition. And so I think that in a lot of ways, um, maybe it's not, maybe it hasn't come fully to the surface yet, but there's a lot of the same kind of, uh, wounding that comes on, but it's a, it's got a, it's got a very distinct flavor and it comes from a very distinct culture. Um, true. And a lot of that has to be dismantled and undone but it's not everybody's story like we had the, sure. we were <laughs> this is what this is what i loved i loved that um <laughs> we were we were we were with our friends uh on for a weekend a whole bunch of different people and you mm-hmm. remember this conversation i can't remember how it came up but somehow the the topic of like ghosts came up <laughs> and I said something about like, well, yeah, I was raised that ghosts um, aren't real, but that they are just demonic uh, embodiments <laughs> of real people that walk the earth to try to seduce tempt you human beings mm-hmm. into basically like, you know, being possessed, de- demon possessed. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the room had this like... Everyone except me. Right. Everyone in the room just had this completely baffled look and, like... And Mandy. What the are you talking about yeah. and you were like oh yeah it's not the same thing <laughs> like, yeah well i was taught that that demons lived inside jack-o'-lanterns at halloween well yeah i mean that was another reason why obviously <laughs> obviously they couldn't just be pumpkins with a candle <laughs> yeah this is very warped child abuse i would call it my, some of it i would call child abuse my mom tried to create a, a variation on halloween that was um not connected to uh the occult as which i don't think halloween's connected to the occult. <laughs> um but she did and so she came up with a variation called uh jesus ween and stop i'm not kissing be real. i am not kidding <laughs> it's, uh, i'm wincing right now i can't even look at you as i say it <laughs> and um and so what what happened was you got a ween. You got a you got a paper bag full of candy and it had like a drawing of some sort of you know parable like I don't know like a, a leper being healed or something and then like the scripture written on the mm. top. She made God bless her heart like she was really trying to create a meaningful moment for us knowing that we were being deprived of the really awesome stuff of dressing up in costumes and going and getting candy from mm-hmm. strangers. So you didn't dress up? No, until we moved. 
And we moved to a community. Um, we moved up north. <clears throat> and that sort of started to shed, I think, some light on the weirdness of being in the south. And um, The south is great, by the way. I just want to say. It's mm. not... No, I'm not saying stay away from it. I have I have deep, deep longing for um, certain places in North Carolina and Tennessee uh, that still feel like they call to me. Um, so no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying more of that. That specific. There, there's a certain kind of there's a yeah there's a certain flavor of religion or evangelical Christianity that is just different yeah. down there. Yeah. It does not connect uh, in other areas of the country, and um, yeah. So I think that when, when we moved, we moved to a community that was a lot older as far as like the literally, literally the houses and the streets had been built, you know, a hundred years before the ones that we grew up in, in the South. And it was just part of the culture of like, yeah, all the kids get out and walk because the houses are much closer together. And it, it just, it just had a totally different vibe. Yeah. Whereas some, for some reason in a, in a more open landscape, there was, I, I don't know, it, it felt far more treacherous to leave the house at night. Um, yeah. not because I think there were dangerous people, but there's just, you know, kind of, I guess that Nathaniel Hawthorne, like <laughs> what's lurking in the woods, the demons, the demons, the demons, were the lurking demons in the, in the woods. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, we, we went there. So, um, <laughs> uh, maybe that's something that'll come up again later on. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, there's, there's multiple kinds of, uh, of, of warped things that you can wind up carrying around mm-hmm. as an adult. I don't want to be the kind of person that just, I mean, you know, when I'm, if I make it to 80, I'm still, you know, oh, fundamentalism. Yeah. You know, s- s- I'm still not over it. I don't know if anyone ever gets over it, but right. I just mean, I don't want to be perpetually coming back to this as um, the thing that has to be undone i think it has to be undone unraveled unraveled dismantled argued against but i just don't i don't want to be against it the rest of my life i want to somehow you know i whatever richard Rohr says transcend and include i'm not promising i'm not saying that that's where i'm at i've right. included it but it's a lot more difficult to actually like face it Mm-hmm. And and then and then transcend and include. It's easy in a conversation like this to be like, yeah, I don't really, you know, it doesn't really bother me. But then you yeah. you throw me into a a church setting, and I will be crawling out of my skin if yeah. it if it has that feeling of where I yeah I grew up. Yeah, just recently, um, I was skiing with some friends from college that um, I had not seen since college, and at least a few of them, it was a a window into a world that I used to inhabit. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't really at home with it in college, but I was more familiar with it. And yeah. I, it was strange to be back and around some of the same old phrases and ways of looking at things. Um, I mean, we were all, we, we, we've all grown up in the sense that we have families and kids, but um, at least with a couple of people, the, the worldview has not shifted all that much. And that's not a judgment. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, and I'm not saying I'm like superior or something, but I just realized I'm not in the same place that I was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Definitely not 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. 20 year old Paul would think 40 year old Paul is a heretic. Um, yeah. by the way, heretic means to hold an opinion. So I, 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 I've been called a heretic a few times. I, I say thank you very much. 
I am a person. <laughs> I'm trying to hold an opinion. I hope to someday aspire to be a heretic. I don't, I don't even feel like I'm there yet, but I hope to someday be there. I don't think that's what they were actually trying to communicate. Yeah, well. Um, no, wait, here's something. So speaking of trying to reinvent something for your kids, um, I've been, so just, and, and I'm speaking not as somebody who is like a deep practitioner. I mean, I am just attempting this this is this is a going out into the into the exploration of the unknown um where i'm trying to i'm trying to bring my children into what's going on with me in some sort of genuine way and and that's really like i could clarify it a little bit more but that's literally all that i can describe it as is i'm trying to say okay i'm because i grew up yeah i mean and you you probably know what well obviously you know, you grew up in church for reasons that your dad was probably in charge of what was going on at the church. But um, I did not. My dad was not in charge of what was going on. But I grew up in church and with the sort of sense of like, okay, the, you know, the adults go into this room and the kids go into this room. And then sometimes you're in the same room together. And I, and in retrospect, I had this sense of like, um, I think my, I think oftentimes my parents were there out of a sense of duty or obligation. It wasn't their presence in that room listening to the sermon was not the expression of their spiritual journey. Yeah. Um, and so that was where I would, that was, was my, you know, my insight into what I'm trying to do now. It's like, well, what is an expression of my spiritual journey? So that, so they actually have a window into it and they don't think that it is me sitting somewhere on mm -hmm. a Sunday morning because that's all I'm, I'm giving them. Mm -hmm. Um, so we went out, we went to a, a big park and, um, and I just said, okay, well, I'd like to go for a walk with, with, you know, a, a 10 year old and eight year old and, uh, and just talk about what's going on. And I found pretty quickly the talking starts with me and then I'm talking about what's actually going on with me. And cause I couldn't just say like, well, what's going on with you? They're like, mm -hmm. I'm fine. Um, but then as soon as I started to talk about what was going on with me, it translated down toward, you know, their, their age, but saying things like I was raised to think that you either believe God created the world or evolution was true and that those two things were incompatible. Um, you know, but some of the things I'm thinking about now are, is that it's, you know, there is both and, I mean, and I'm using language, they, obviously what I actually think is probably way more complicated, but, um, but saying, you know, just throwing out the question like so, and, and what I'm finding is that everything gets a lot bigger as soon as all of that stuff is true together, mm. right? Now, the whole concept of, of, of what is God and what's my relationship to God gets a lot bigger and a lot more difficult to wrap my mind around and becomes more of a mystery mm. because I can't just say, well, it's this. Mm. And... You know, just saying, just saying things like that that I think are are fairly, um, I don't know, and and I, I think they're benign. Although, like I said, you know, I probably grew up in a culture where where it would be like, get you know, take that kids, take those kids away from that man. That's, um, we'll raise them someone else <laughs> with someone else, some other family, a Christian family. Um, their own reaction 
which was really not a reaction to what I was saying. It was just them cracking open. Well, this is what's going on with me. All of a sudden I was like, how are we not talking about this in life? Like my eight year old son starts to talk about his connection to nature and what he feels when he's around animals and when he's around trees and plants, you know, and then we're having this dialogue about like, yes. And you know, it's like all living things have something that's coming off. And then my daughter's, you know, talking about how she doesn't feel, she feels like her, her, a more, like she almost needs freedom from the, the Christian school that she's been mm-hmm. in. She's 10. Like she's, it's not like she's wrestling with rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. She's just saying, I would rather have, I would rather be working on this stuff on my own rather than having a teacher prescribing what I'm supposed to be Kids are doing. Amazing. She, and she's like, she's yeah. like, we're writing down, you know, versus she's like, but I don't feel connected to that. And I think that maybe if I were in a school where, you know, I wasn't, I could find the thing that's more like me. And it's just like, yeah, like you're older than me right now. Um, and it, and it, and those are conversations that I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's like we, I couldn't have had those conversations with my parents. It's just that it wasn't cracked open. Yeah. And just, just, just making the attempt to say, to say like, well, I'm going to see if I can open a window into me, open this window into them. I was just like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. For some reason we, we, we divided all that up. I mean, I think, uh, I've, I've read a little bit about this, but I think raising kids, particularly sort of father children dynamic before the industrial revolution was very different because every kid knew what their dad did right because they either did it alongside or it wasn't so abstract yeah um but post-industrial sort of revolution and when you you know if you think about modern jobs they're very hard to even just even even being a pastor was very hard to describe to my kids what i did yeah they could see that i would speak on sundays but like what do you do right you know and um, I can't explain that to adults. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of church people uh, wonder what pastors do during the week anyway. But um, it, there's something, there's a great loss there because the kind of conversation that you're describing, I imagine, happen more naturally in, in, in cultures and in families where there was a little more contact. There wasn't so much separation between what does dad do all day? And then he comes home and he's kind of tired and pissed and right. we have a meal and then pretty quickly everybody goes to bed. Yeah. Um, so you end up not knowing your dad, that's for sure. Um, you end up not having conversations like this. And sadly the church just followed suit, divided everything up too. kids get their special programming. Adults get their special programming. And there's so much in the church world. There's so much handing over of authority. Like mm-hmm. who knows what your parents thought about any of that, right. but they, what they believed or they, they were thought they should believe is well, the church knows what it's doing. You know, right. the pastor knows what he's doing. The if you want to know what I think, go to these classes over here and I'm going to go in these things over yeah. here. And you know, we're, there's slightly different language. These are for the more grown ups. These are for the less grown up, but you're all, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It's all, it, there's a tremendous amount of trust huh. and actually what it, it ends up being what people end up not trusting themselves. I cannot, I cannot have a spiritual conversation with my child because I don't know what I'm talking about. I think my friend Ryan uh, out in Seattle, he has a church out in Seattle. We were talking about this one day 
And I was just saying that um, this probably happens to anyone who's a parent probably knows what I'm talking about. You, f you begin to find out what you really believe when your kids start asking you questions. And some of it is a bit of panic. You're like, holy crap. <laughs> Am I going to say this or am I just going <laughs> to give the platitudes and be like, well, they're not really ready. Anymore. Right. I guess I should say this. Well, I understand that tension because that's part of being a parent. You have to say what is psychologically healthy yeah. for them as uh, as children, depending on what what age they are and what their uh, context is and what you can intuit. And it's a little bit complicated, but I think the truth, the truth starts to emerge when a kid looks you in the face and says, ask you a question about God, or says some opinion about God or church that you know is not acceptable, and you might actually internally agree with them, but you feel like you shouldn't. Right. You know, you're just being put in that. We found ourselves, I found myself many times over the last, since we, since 15 years that we've had kids. Um, saying some people believe this and some people believe that. And that can buy you a little bit of time. And I don't even think that that's bad. I'm not prescribing that. Um, I think it can be helpful, especially in all, because, you know, to maybe, especially to a, you know, preteen or teenager, there's a lot of energy around whatever's polarizing. It's A or B, you know, right. it's, is it this or is it that? And just to say, well, some people believe this and some people honors what they're hearing, you know? Oh yeah, well that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you, what do you believe? And what do you believe right now? And what you believe now may not be, you may change your mind, you know? And, and to maybe, I don't know, I guess my best parenting, I feel like I've tried to, to, to love and to create a safe space for a conversation. And more importantly, to get sort of beyond the ideas how do you feel? How does that make you feel? Those questions don't come naturally to me because I often don't want to bring out what I feel, you know, but mm -hmm. um, how does that make you feel when people say, you know, that kind of stuff helps you sink beyond the level of what is the right idea that my kid should have? Yeah. You know, it is absolutely insane that the church and many Christian institutions think that if we pump them full of the right propositions, they're going to turn out all right. I mean, this is insane because I taught high school. I, I sat there, I taught seniors and they knew every, they knew every single answer to every single question as it was quote, supposed to have been answered. Right. And it still may have had very little influence on how they lived, what they really thought. Sometimes they couldn't even come close, sadly, to what they really thought. But they yeah. knew the right answers. And and I know maybe the argument can be made, oh, they'll come back to these right answers. But I just think there's so much energy. And it, it shuts down the conversation rather than opens it up. And I, well, and I think it creates a lot of damage. Like, it's, it, it's almost, it, it, this has been my experience, is the most regret that I experience, and I have regret, you know, from things. I know that there's people that run, they're like, oh, no. I don't have any regrets. You know, I've gone through life and what's, what's, what's the point in having regret? Just keep moving forward. No, I have regret. And it almost is always rooted in um, something, trying to follow something that I was told this is the way you're supposed to be and denying the thing that felt 
right at the time. Like, so, I mean, you know that I have a friend who he was probably the best friend I ever had at a really critical time as an adolescent when you can really like morph into a whole bunch of different things. And he had this really genuine way of just like, I'm, you know, I want you to be who you are around me. Uh, and he was, he was great. He was this leader, but he was an atheist. And because, you know, I was raised that like, well, that's, that's the other, like you don't, you can have a relationship, but the goal of the relationship is to, is to change them, is to change them. And you can never have like a really genuine relationship because they're not, because they could never understand, um, they could never understand you and you could never connect on the most meaningful level because you don't believe the same things. You don't believe the truth. It's even, I connected to him on a level that's like, that I still, even now that he's, that he's dead. And that was when I really started to just, when the regret really started to come up, when I realized I would never see him again. Um, the, I connected to him on an incredibly meaningful level and he still is connected with me. I like by I I I think it's kind of funny like people don't realize how much they're talking to him when they're talking to me because of the influence that he had on my life. And yet when he was here, I and when I when we spent the most time together, I thought well, we can't connect. Now I have I have a lot of regret about yeah. how that relationship played oh, out. That's so sad. It's this tiered system. You know, you were on the higher rung, but I was, but I was a success in some ways because I was, I don't mean to make this like sound too mean or bitter. I'm just saying this was the reality of what I experienced. I was successfully subscribing to the things that were supposed to protect me Mm. and keep me on right. Like, like that path that I was set up to go on, but they didn't serve, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's tricky because to a certain extent, it did protect you Yeah. because you needed your own tribe that you were a part of because to choose real friendship with him on a deeper level would mean to be not accepted by the tribe. And then the problem with religion is that the, the tribe is also God. So right. in other words, God <laughs> accepts you over here. So you don't go over there because then you're totally screwed. You yeah. know, it's not only so, everybody you love. It is the thing that is like preventing you from all evil and yeah. and wrong in the world. So, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm not telling you, you know, don't beat yourself up, but there, there's a certain extent where what else could you do with the psychological tools that you had? I mean, other yeah. than to say, yeah, I mean, I guess I do think this is true and I do want God to accept me and like me. So I have to kind of keep a little arms, arms length from this person that I love. And no, but the irony, but the irony is that the real feeling of acceptance and love came from him. Yeah. Wow. There you You go. Which I mean, and I'm not saying that in some sort, I'm not saying that to try to like, you know, it, like bring tears to somebody's eyes or say that it's a tragedy. I'm just saying that that is what has become uh, very clear to me. And I don't, yeah. And I'm in this spot of, I mean, to get back to kids, it's like, okay, so how can I raise my, my kids so that when they recognize that it's not something that they have to be afraid of, but they can recognize it for what it is that, that it's some, you know, it's not going to be, you know, 20 years later that it's sort of like the light bulb goes off. But it, you can actually feel safe to to say no. I can I can move toward this and be who I am, yeah. and and but pursue this. Don't you think that that's genuine. happening? Like I I feel like my kids are growing up in a world that is already 
way different than the one I grew up in. I don't just mean religiously, but I just mean culturally in terms of other people's perspectives, at least the, the, the party line that you should value someone else, even if they're from a different culture, background, idea, race, sexual orientation, whatever the case may be. My kids are growing up and they're already comfortable with the other in a way that I, I wasn't. It's, right. it's sort of built in. And this is like, gives me some hope for the future of, you know, America. You know, <laughs> what'd you say? I said the species, but you, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I Particularly mean, right now with this presidential primary. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just such a, just to listen to the news is so depressing and and difficult. Yet when I hear my kids talking, I think, okay, they're, something is actually shifting and um yeah there'll be some that will run back to the old way of the old time religion and the old way of thinking of things but not not with the same numbers not with the same intensity or passion they won't won't they won't have known it in quite the same way i don't think but there's still i mean i'm sure there'll still be a tension and it seems like this is the fundamental tension it's like the tension for security um or, you know, or to find, I mean, I guess now I'm thinking more about like the state that we're in. Cause I think about like, well, what do kids see when they see, um, and I don't want to get in, I don't even want to say his name, but you know, some of the people that are running for president, like, what are they actually looking at? Like when, um, like a high school kid. Well, yeah. I mean, like, like when they see just the absurdity of what, what people who are supposed to be old and wise <laughs> are doing. Well, that's just what's so sick. These are not elders in the truest sense of the word they are not wise yeah i mean they are basically displaying junior high early adolescent behavior i win yeah you lose we're awesome you suck you know i mean this is not this is not a wellspring of depth wisdom insight compassion empathy grace yeah um in fact, I'm not just talking about people on TV anymore. I'm seeing that almost everywhere. It's very, very rare. You know, like I basically have to schedule an appointment with a spiritual director to go see somebody, no, somebody who's older than me that I think like, ah, yeah, here's somebody that I would ever call an elder or wise. Yeah. Spiritual direction, by the way. My, here's my understanding of spiritual direction. Again, it, it, it's, a, it's a safe space. And actually, this, the word spiritual direction is a bad title because um, you would think it would mean I'm going to go to my spiritual director and he or she is going to direct me. Right. No, no, no. That's not what happens at all. It's this very sacred, holy exchange, a kind of deep listening where spiritual directors are trained in the sacred art of deep listening to what's really going on. And they also have enough psychological tools to sort of see where you are on some of the maps, you know, Mm -hmm. stages of faith, you know, whatever. I mean, there are a half a dozen maps that are good that describe the spiritual life. So they're able to, to hear that and, and help you communicate where you are currently. And, and in that sense, you find some direction, like you're able to say, here's where I am right now, and that's okay, rather than here's what you should do with your life. But 
spiritual direction for me has been I've had I've had two spiritual directors and I don't know when I first started going but I would say six to eight years ago and I didn't always go consistently I've been the most consistent the last few years has probably been the one of the most influential parts of my own life um, and trying to face my own stuff and have a safe place to talk about it and and to receive they I always almost always come away encouraged I might come in in tears but I come away saying that was rewarding <laughs> yeah um, I, I actually so I mean just a yeah as by way of sharing a story I remember I remember going in um, really and and not having having gone in at all um, for a long time and thinking thinking this is what I'm here to talk about is like do I do job A? Do I do job B? Do I do job C? Like, I'm, you know, something we've talked about. Like, I'm frustrated with the doing mm. of things. And if I'm frustrated with what I'm doing, then that means I probably got to switch into doing something else or doing the same thing for something else, somebody else or some other place. Mm -hmm. um, and within 45 minutes, and, and I found myself, you know, it was kind of, like, I, I didn't even see this, but I found myself where it's like, yeah, I'm really thinking about, like, should I do this job? Should I do that job? Like, what should I be doing in my career? Um, but every time I try to get into that question, what I really think about is that the Earth is traveling through space at 67,000 miles per hour right now and that the sun is going to expand and, and you know engulf the earth in four billion years and that really nothing that we do is going to last forever and that my own great-grandchildren will probably know nothing about me other than my name and maybe a sentence or two about what I did with my life and um and she you know I, I go on and on and on like this and she's and I, I, all she said she's like you um you think you're here to talk about a job she's like but you're try thinking that maybe you're actually on a much much larger journey which is you know a journey to seek meaning and to answer the question of who am i hmm. you know i mean that sounds like very yoda-ish but in that moment i was like this kind of like it was this huge relief because i was like oh yeah you're right i don't have to make a decision right now about what am i to do i can actually sit in this space of like what are the things that I really want to be asking that I think I'm that I'm trying to cram into this box of what is what is my job? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> very good listening. Anyway, that's a shout out to spiritual directors out there. Keep going, <laughs> keep doing it, keep doing it, guys. Just feel encouraged. Yeah, uh, it's a lot different than therapy. Although therapy can be helpful for different things, but. Yeah. You know, it reminded me what you're describing. It reminded me of, I guess, um, there are two kinds of hero journeys. Maybe we talked, we talked a bit about this on the, on the last podcast or a couple podcasts ago. Um, but there's a, like an early adolescent hero's journey where you go out to slay the dragon, mm -hmm. basically. And this, is, you, this is the movie Star Wars. No, I'm, I'll no? get to Star Wars in a minute. But okay. you go out to slay the dragon, and you basically return victorious. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that is 98% of all Hollywood movies and 98% of the popular books out there and probably most of the self-help books and we're going to conquer this baby, you know, and you just got to have the right tools in your bag and you're going to return victorious or, you know, mm -hmm. a few years ago in the Christian world it was like wild at heart, you know, you're going to go out and get a sword and be a conqueror and all this kind of nonsense. And that, that is a journey, but it's not the deeper hero's journey, which Joseph Campbell describes, which is you go out to do that, but you end up, you go out to dismember the dragon and you're dismembered. So it's like uh. Luke goes into the cave and he takes his sword and Yoda says, you don't need the sword. And he thinks he's, he's killing Your Darth weapons. Vader and he cuts off his... You will not need those in yeah, there. Exactly. And he, he puts them on anyway. He puts them on anyway and he and cuts he off his own hand. No, he cuts off his own head. Oh, his head. Okay. He goes in the cave, and it, oh, you're talking about like my favorite thing in the world. Um, yeah, no, this is in the Empire Strikes Back. No, so Yoda says, you don't need those weapons. He puts them on it. He, he looks at them and puts them on anyway, walks into the cave, and Darth Vader, an apparition sort of of Darth Vader walks in. And Luke is the first one to draw the lightsaber. And only after he does, does Darth Vader draw the lightsaber. And then they parry, and very easily Luke cuts off the head. The head rolls onto the floor. The mask blows up, and it's Luke's own face. And it's this total riddle that comes up later when Yoda's yeah. like, remember what you learned in the cave. But yeah. he doesn't know. He still hasn't learned it. He still doesn't yeah. know what the hell he's doing. Because he has to be dismembered. And that's yeah. my main point. And even what you're describing with spiritual direction, it's not like if, it, if it, an un, uh, a bad spiritual director, director would just be saying, let's find you the right job. Or a life coach. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing wrong with life coaches. But... All right, let's let's look at your you know your transferable skill set, and let's try to find one that right. harmonizes with your you know blah blah blah. And then you go out and you conquer that, and you're like, yeah, this is the freaking job. Except after five years, you're like, what did I do? And at least yeah. your spiritual director is saying there's some other journey, and it has to do with your own dismemberment, and it has to do with the dismemberment of the idea that you're going to find the perfect job, or the perfect spouse or whatever, you know, or the perfect religion for that matter, okay. the perfect congregation. No, that all that has to be dismembered. I and have... then you can return to the community with a kind of gift, but not until you're laying on the floor. Okay, have you heard about the Okay, this is okay, this is get, getting more into an into like the the hero's journey, which is a sort of an archetypal myth, right? Okay, for anyone that doesn't See. know about this. It is and it's you know, it comes from every culture throughout time. Any sort of myths, there's sort of this these are these archetypes that basically are somehow hardwired into the human psyche. This is something that I think you were talking about, but this is a way juicier way I think to talk about it. Um there is so there's the journey where the hero goes in, you know, the, there's there's challenges, there's a fight, there's a victory, and then there's a thing that I've heard described as the road back. And here, so here's a really great example. You, you've already described one because you talked about a scene from The Empire Strikes Back, not from Star Wars, which Whatever. is another. They're all well, the no, same. no 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 Star the, Trek. You mean not the same? <laughs> no, the road back. So here's another example in the in uh, the Dark Knight, which is the Batman movie versus Batman Begins. What happens is the movie begins and Batman is fighting a bad guy. I think he's fighting the Scarecrow or something. And all of these other people dressed up as Batman show up and with guns. And they're pretending to be Batman and trying to fight crime. And he realizes that he has created an entirely new problem for himself. He has inspired a whole population of vigilantes that are just creating anarchy 
in the city that he's trying to save. So, and, and that's the road back, right? It's, it's, it's Luke blows up the Death Star only to find out that he's now created a larger problem for himself, which is that Darth Vader knows that he's alive mm -hmm. and Darth Vader is in pursuit of him as an individual and yeah. nobody else. And he won't, you know, rest until he finds him or that Batman is, is creating anarchy in the city that he's been trying to save. And I think that that's a fascinating way of talking about like what we're ex even, even what we're experiencing in our lives right now, which is like you go on this journey to do this thing and you work really hard and you achieve everything that you've set out to achieve only to find out that like you've created a bigger problem for yourself. You're, yeah. You know, in some ways you're, you're no nearer to the soul than you were when you began. Yeah. Or that you're, or, or this is the way that I've been talking about it with myself when I talk to myself, which is all the time. Um, like trying to just swallow the reality, the tools that got you here today are not the tools that are going to take you into the future. There yeah. are different tools and it's there's going to be kind of like an unraveling or an undoing or the mm -hmm. what the dis in, i said dismemberment, dismemberment. yeah unraveling undoing whatever yeah 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 well and i and i don't think that i, I don't I, I i i wonder if people wonder why the hero's journey keeps popping up and i think it's because it may be one of the more significant findings of the 20th century is joseph campbell's work i think so that yeah. And it's and it's not it's not the finding of, you know, something that you would win a Nobel Prize for engineering, you know, or science. It's a finding really about the soul that yeah. like written, human written on the soul. There yeah. is this this kind of structure in which we build and we we understand the world, you know, and it continues to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it is the story. It is, you know, myth is the language of spirituality because it's. It's yeah. the great mystery. It can't yeah. be. It can't be talked about in other forms other than it's like this thing yeah. over here. Yeah, and just a shout out to myth. People hear the word myth and they think it's not true. Myths are the deepest. Yeah, I don't know how else yeah. to say it. They they they're a way of telling the truth that is beyond what is historically reliable or true. Mm -hmm. or scientifically valid yeah it's the best way that we know how to tell the truth well because you're speaking about the things that cannot be that none of the, the at least at least there's no there's no way that our senses or all of our you know ad advances in you know understanding the world and technology can still describe whatever the the great yeah. the great mystery is there's so much irony when people they try to throw the bible under the bus by saying the bible's a myth that's like a compliment, right? That there are myths in the Bible is a compliment. Although, I mean, people can't really hear that at this point because um, the word has been so abused. But there's a kind of mythopoetic truth in the Bible that has nothing to do with its historical validity. But anyway, that's another subject. All right. Peace. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it when you say peace. <laughs> it feels wrong.